All right. Welcome to a new podcast. We're calling it Fight or Flight. My name is Seamus, and uh, I'm here with my good buddy, Bird. Should we call you Bird for the purpose of this podcast? What do you think? I mean, you named the podcast, and I feel like I have to live up to the name, so let's go for it. Fight or Flight. So let's take a step back here and talk about our podcast idea for just a second. So, Bird, you and I, uh, you know, we're known to hang out outside of the podcast realm, considering especially this is our first podcast. We love to talk basketball. We love to talk takes. We love to talk pop culture. And uh, we're going to focus on basketball probably primarily in this podcast. But uh, if there's one thing you're known for, it's your takes. Um, And I like to fight you on your takes. So this this is why it's fight or flight. Either the takes on this podcast, we fight or they fly. How do you feel about that? We're going to see how many fly. I feel like going off of our previous experiences, there's going to be a lot of fighting. Uh, I know I apparently don't think my takes are super hot, but apparently coming in, we're going to see what the average audience thinks. But I know for sure you might be like fighting me on a few of these, at least today. I'm going to make sure to fight you on a couple. I can't let you get away with it. You know, just it. <laughs> I can't let you. <laughs> I, I, I'm here to fight. I'm here to have a fun time. And I'm here to talk basketball the way we do, you know, uh, just like when we're chatting about it, but we'll bring some analysis in as well. We, we have some, we have some stuff prepared. So I think it'll be an elevated, you know, dinner table conversation when you are, and I are getting B-dubs or whatever it might be. I think this will be the best kind of the way, best way I can explain this for the audience is that we're trying to give you the experience where you're hanging out with your friends and you're getting some basketball analysis. We're going to try to raise the level up a little bit from that, but we want to give you that vibe where you're feeling like you're, you're at, at the level that you would be at as well. If you're having a little bit of a discussion. Um, but yeah, I think we're, we're getting, going to get pretty interesting discussions, hopefully coming in today. And, uh, I think there'll be some cool, cool topics, especially today, uh, of all days is a great day to start this podcast. It's been really interesting and crazy today. Um, I don't know about you, but I am very excited to talk about that, but like, there's also a lot of other things going on in the world right now too. There's like 17 things I want to talk about in the NBA, just like in the last week, honestly. And it's like. I feel like I'm so glad we're doing the podcast right now. And there's so much for us to talk about, not with saying the fact we haven't even done an episode yet. Like we could have had this within the typical organization of like a weekly or uh, bi-weekly podcast. And we would have a ton to talk about anyway. Um, but before we get into all that basketball, yeah, let's just talk a little bit of pop culture. See what's, what's going on. What's been catching your eye recently, Bird? So I know the Oscars, which, a lot of people are always a little bit tense about it because they have messed up a lot in the past and they're always kind of a sore subject, but they have announced their uh, best pictures and all their nominations outside of that as well. But the ones I'm always interested in, I don't know about you, Seamus, but they're always the best picture nominations. Sure. And one that got me vibing the most was Dune. I know this is kind of a popular take. I don't know if it is or not, but like when it comes to the Academy, it might not be. I love Dune so much. And I think Dune is honestly becoming one of like the the it's of our generation when it comes to films. So like in the past, it was, you know, Star Wars, it was Lord of the Rings and it was kind of Marvel after that. But I think that since Marvel's kind of petered out a little bit since like uh, Endgame and maybe even like the uh, Spider-Man, a new thing has to take up that mantle. And I mean, Dune has so much lore built built into it with these novels i personally haven't checked out yet but I, I really want to know after that movie the movie was just so well done the director was so good uh the visuals were like some of the best i've seen in like the whole year 
I don't know. Dune is my pick for movie of the year because it, I think that's what the audience wants. I hope it's what the Academy wants too, but I'll be honest, just like Lord of the Rings, that was one of the best like full packages that I think everybody could enjoy. I agree with that. I think Lord of the Rings is a good comparison. I thought of that as well. Do you think Marvel is done? I don't, I, how do you feel about this? Where are we in the fourth stage of Marvel where it's like, we're getting to the multiverse, the new era. Um, do you think they're going to be the hottest commodity in theaters and movies moving forward into the 2020s, the new decade? New decade. It's been like two years, this upcoming decade. I've liked a few of the new properties. I think the multiverse is a co- super cool, interesting idea. Loki was great. And obviously Spider-Verse was, or not Spider-Verse, um, that new Spider-Man movie, the, the final one in the trilogy with Tom Holland, they were all fantastic, but it's almost just like Endgame was like the rise of a, like, the peak that you would get, and I don't know how you can top that peak. A lot of people were almost very exhausted too after that end game and a little bit as well after the Spider-Man movie. There might as well be more stuff coming, but I'm I'm just not getting as excited about it as Endgame because that was very much like the pinnacle of what I thought we could get to with Marvel. So now it's like something new could almost shift just because of audiences fatigue. I mean, you, you're hearing about it in the news all the time with people like... Uh, Martin Scorsese already complaining about Marvel. So like that might just be him being a pompous guy, but I feel like there is a little bit of fatigue out there with Marvel. He's got a little skin in the game. There's no doubt. Um, Yeah. I, I think Marvel is here to stay, but I do think the sci-fi property like Dune, there's a big audience for, and I think Lord of the Rings is a good comparison. I wouldn't say Lord of the Rings changed movie going or anything, but I think Dune can be that kind of property that, you know, really fills up the uh, the culture in the next, again, couple of years. Especially when Star Wars failed so hard like it did. It but did. also, like, you're not here for my movie takes, but I would still say that Lord of the Rings was the best trilogy that we've ever gotten in terms of movies. So, I mean, I don't want to shortchange Lord of the Rings in any way. The fact that they were able to film all of it together, unlike a lot of other movies where they film it in parts. Lord of the Rings was filmed all in one go and then just released over the course of several years then because of the way they had uh, planned out with books. But I mean, Dune has the opportunity to be something like that. I don't think that they're doing it like that, unfortunately, because they have to make sure they have enough money for the next ones. But Dune already has a set lore and stuff going into it. So it's like, you don't have to worry about them trying to write stuff and have, you know, Emperor Palpatine apparently have... He actually had a wife and they actually had a daughter. And I don't want to know anything about that. I don't know mm-hmm. about you, but I don't need to know anything about that. And that it was just garbage that checked me out immediately. So Dune doesn't have that problem. They're not, there's not some guy in the back corner who's just some writer who's not really making some great content. The great content's already there. They just need to follow it. Another movie I'm excited to see in the best picture nominations is drive my car i feel like we're getting more international films um you know after the parasite win which was such a monumental moment i haven't seen drive my car but i've heard nothing but good things and it's on my very short watch list um but i hope that that becomes a consistent uh consistent thing on the best picture nominations that we're getting a more global representation on the those different opportunities for like the biggest award in the in the movie business i couldn't agree more i mean parasite comes to mind of course when you think of international movies last year that were a big hit i haven't checked out drive my car either 
But if they're giving recognition to movies that are on par with Parasite, it seems like I definitely need to check this one out. I think so as well. So check out the Best Picture nominations if you haven't seen it already. Obviously, there's plenty of time until the Oscars, but uh, we might talk about that again in the future. I think we should dive in, though. It's been enough of a day that I think we need to talk about the NBA. Talk about just the absolute chaos, the beautiful chaos. Beautiful. I mean, as a Bucks fan, I do not feel like the world's going beautifully for me right now. <laughs> so, Bird, why don't you recap some of the trades that happened for us today? What, uh, which ones caught your eye the most? All right. Well, I think the one that everybody's going to think about first when it comes to this uh, recent trade deadline, of course, was the Ben Simmons and James Harden trade. So, it uh, was recently announced today, I think around 2.30 p.m., that this uh, that Ben Simmons is officially going to the Nets, the Brooklyn Nets, along with uh, um, Seth Curry and Andre Drummond, and I believe two uh, first-round picks. Am I right in mm-hmm. that? Yeah, I believe that is correct. To me, that I don't know is what a years. massive overpay for James Harden. I, I do agree that James Harden is an incredible player, but you're giving up on an incredibly valuable role player. I don't think I can call Seth Curry underrated because literally every fan of the NBA says Seth Curry is amazing. I love Seth Curry. He's one of the like cornerstones of the 76ers at this point. Now he's gone. Like this man is great. I'm not, I'm not going to say Andre Drummond is amazing or anything, but it's, I would, I would have been okay with them giving up Andre Drummond, but also two first round picks is also incredibly a big thing right now. I don't think the draft this year is looking amazing. There's a lot of guards in the top spots, but still first round draft picks are incredibly valuable capital. And to give up two of that, as well as the, uh, okay. So there's three best defenders in the league. It's probably a tie amongst the three. You could probably switch between the days and the weeks amongst who's the best, the best three are. I say Ben Simmons, Giannis, and probably uh, the third one would be um, Draymond Green. So you have one of the three best defenders in the league, and then you also have one of the best role players in the league, and then Andre Drummond, who fills in a pretty good uh, center role, who adds maybe some decent defense, but he's honestly like very much the casual NBA fans uh, go to star player. He is not the player that everybody thinks he is. You can look at the stat sheet, which hasn't been that great the past couple years, I believe, but like, especially when he was on the Pistons, people were like, oh, he's so great. He's so great. But really NBA fans who watched the game realized they were all empty stats and they weren't doing a whole lot. Um, I do think he'll, with his size though, he adds a valuable thing to the team. I think they're giving up Paul Millsap as well. I think I realized recently that it was just, it was James Harden with Paul Millsap that got announced a little bit late, I believe um, from uh, Woj, but I think that was also something added in. Still, Paul Millsap also wasn't a great part of the Nets. So I still think that easily in this deal, the Nets won. But I think both teams got better in this deal. Because, I mean, you had Ben Simmons doing nothing for your team. And now you have a player who will hopefully be doing something. I mean, it's a, definitely a tough, tough sell, too, because Harden's been, you know, very in and out. Uh, we'll see which how he comes into uh, the 76ers. But I think it's fair to assume that he's going to be coming in as the full peak James Harden because this man has ties to the 76ers. I believe he likes uh, their GM. Am I correct in that? The GM for the Sixers is Daryl Morey, who was the GM for the Rockets. Yeah, and they have a good connection there. Uh, I think he said publicly that he wants to go to the 76ers. 
So I think both teams. That's improved. actually not quite the case. Sorry to interrupt you, but that was a really interesting oh. thing that came out this morning was James Harden basically said, I do not publicly want to come out and request a trade because I don't want to be that guy, I guess. But he clearly talked to Woj and, or Woj was talking to the Nets or something along those lines. And it basically got leaked like, okay, he's requesting a trade or that officially requesting a trade, which there is no difference. I think I also heard it was something about he didn't want to have the bad look of having two straight years of like getting, forcing your team to make you leave. So not wanting to do it publicly, I think was more of a PR stunt. Cause I mean, he just left the Rockets in a very ugly way and now he's on the Nets and now a year of the Nets and he wants to leave in a somewhat ugly way again. Not a great look. I'm, I, I don't want Harden on the Bucks, <laughs> but like he made the team who's a good uh, rival for us better. It's, it's interesting. And I know we should go over the rest of the trades, but I think this being the biggest one and shaking up the Eastern Conference probably the most, I want to ask you, Seamus, mm-hmm. what do you think, what, what would you rank the new, like amongst the best teams in the East, what's the new lineup? What are you thinking is the best go-to for your, your pick for making it out of the East? And what's the lineup going down from that? Okay. So I got to pull up the Eastern Conference standings here just to get an idea of where we're at. Um, you know, I'm more of a Western conference guy myself as a Timberwolves fan. Um, that being said, it, it is, it is. Um, okay. So as the standings sit right now, we have the heat number one, Bucks two, Bulls three, Cavs four, Sixers five, Raptors six, Celtics seven, Nets eight. And I'll stop but, there. But we all know that records don't always mean everything for a team. They can mean a decent amount, but coming from a Bucks fan who knows... <laughs> You can have the best uh, enti- uh, record in the entire league, but that doesn't mean you're the best team, unfortunately. I hear so. what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Um, using this framing, I would say the Bucks are the number one team still, and I would put the Sixers too. Um, I am not a fan of the Heat, and that is for personal reasons, strictly pettiness. So I will not put them three. <laughs> And I would put the Chicago Bulls number three. I was I would make that my my top three. Really, you're really still not valuing the Nets in this. I think you the Nets think are the Nets four or five. Better. I think the Nets are four and five. I think it's a win win trade. I really do. I think today's trade, both teams got better, and I think Ben Simmons was justified in sitting out for this end result. But that's another conversation. But the Nets did get better, but they have a long way to go because they're still have a part-time point guard. You can't get over that. I could not disagree more. Um, I mean, I, I love that you're putting the Bucks at number one as a Bucks fan, but it, I can't, as a basketball fan, agree with you on that take, unfortunately. I okay, think- so this is the take, Bird. What is Your take is what? Let's compare takes here. Nets are now the number one, unfortunately. Wow. Okay, give me a top three. Give me a top three. I am most afraid. What? Give me a top three. I am most afraid of the Nets. Nets are now number one because the thing the Nets needed a lot was good defense. You have a player who too, who as well can fill a lot of that role that uh, James Harden was filling with a lot of that passing and facilitating that James Harden was kind of doing since he really wasn't doing much driving and a lot of his uh, personal scoring that he was doing that he succeeded in so well in the Rockets. Um, so I think we'll see hopefully a little bit more of that with the 76ers. I don't know if I want to say hopefully, but likely going to see that more with the 76ers. So I think Ben Simmons does the job of 
James Harden, but better being he's one of the top three defenders in the league, as I said before. And then also you added in um, one of the best role players in that league to add on with uh, Seth Curry. So I, I, I just can't see how this isn't a super great move for this, for the Nets. So Nets are my number one. Bucks, I think, are staying at number two because of the record of the big three together. That's uh, with Giannis, um, uh, Chris Middleton, and uh, Drew, Drew Holiday. Sorry about that. The big three together, I'm pretty sure their ratio is something like 25 to four or something really good. It's a very good ratio when all three of their big three are playing together. So we're going to see a really strong performance, I think, when we have a full healthy Bucks team. Uh, we can go into also those smaller trades that we had with the Bucks that I'm kind of okay with as well. But um, I think they're remaining as the defending champs as a really good look for that number two spot. And then I think it's a really close look between uh, the uh, the 76ers and the Heat from there. I know you're you're a little bit biased against the Heat, um, but as a Bucks fan who's seen and been hurt by the Heat, I'm not going to like second guess them. I I truly fear them and understand their power especially that now that they've updated i'm pretty sure that one of the best three-point shooters in the league in terms of his averages right now is pj tucker so i think that the pj tucker's really been unlocked a little bit differently than he used to be before on the heat now so that's a really big thing to note as well as the addition of course of uh the uh toronto raptors uh main boy i'm sorry the name's uh, missing me for a second if you might help me out there Pascal Siakam. Oh, come on. Fred Van you know who? No, who's on the heat right now? I'm talking about the new addition. Oh, Kyle Lowry? Yes, with Kyle Lowry addition now on the heat, that's another great dog, just like Jimmy Butler, who can really be a good lead for your offense. You can really run the team around. I don't think they're like top 10 players by any means. They're, I don't even think they're top 15 players. Um, but both of them are great people to have your offense run through. I think still your like best overall talent probably for the future, especially is still going to be uh, um, bam out of the bayou as uh, ESPN loves to put it. But um... <laughs> oh my gosh, bro, there's like 17 takes in there. I, I have so much I want to say. <laughs> like... I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll conclude in a little bit here that I'm sorry, but that is what I'm saying is probably then my number three. And then it's very close, a lot closer than it was, but then I'm probably going to put at my number four than the 76ers. But I could easily switch out the 76ers and the uh, the Heat after seeing the performance that we're going to get from James Harden on uh, the 76ers. First thing I'll say, you don't need dogs, you need stars. Dogs, you know, they'll grind, they'll do well in the regular season. You need stars that are going to win you the game. In the postseason, I don't think Jimmy Butler is that guy, and I don't think uh, the supporting cast is enough to get that done. Jimmy Um, Butler brought them to the NBA Finals, though, man. Sometimes dog mentality can really bring you some places that you don't deserve to be. And they lost in the first round last year, right? Second round? Oh, yes, it was a sweep. It was magical. But I also think they're not the same team that they were before. No, but they're the, not the same team as the one that made the finals as well. I think they're probably somewhere in between, and they'll lose in the second round. And I'm okay with that. I'm happy with that. I'm at peace with that as a Timberwolves fan. Okay. Uh, but moving on, <laughs> moving on, I would say the Nets did get better today. Their potential as a team can be unlocked with Ben Simmons. I agree that you need a facilitator with the scoring that they have when you look at Kyrie 
Again, he's part-time, which is a big issue for me still. KD, Seth Curry, those are great pieces. I agree. But we don't know what Ben Simmons is right now. He hasn't played in almost a year, basically. We, again, don't know Kyrie's status. And KD, as great as he is, I don't think is enough to put them over the teams that are cohesive in the East. I think well, you look at the... We're di- oh, so, I just want to no, say, ahead. if anything, we are going to see, though, what they're going to be, because I'm pretty sure we're going to see some Ben uh, Ben Simmons exclusive games coming up, because I'm pretty sure Kevin Durant's still out. And then the, the rules might be changing in New York soon. I hear that the mask mandate might be lifted, and who knows, the vaccine one might be not far to follow. I'm not sure. Uh, we don't want to talk about that too much, of course, on this podcast, but it's a very interesting thing that really changes when you have a player like Kyrie Irving, who's so dependent upon those rules. Um, but other than that, that means it's, it's going to be a lot of games where we're just going to see Ben Simmons as the shining star. So, Which is not a top three team. Soon. Am I wrong? Like That's not a top three team then. I mean, when you have just Ben Simmons, but as a man who hates Kevin Durant with a passion, I'm still going to say Kevin Durant was playing at MVP caliber uh, playing before he got injured. He comes back and then you have Kyrie Irving who my qualms with Kyrie Irving. I mean, this is one of the most unlikable teams in the NBA still (laughs) trading out an unlikable player for an unlikable player. In my opinion, Uh, you're still having two great offensive talents and then now added in a player who can be offensively capable in the right setting with incredible defense that the team needed. Okay. Okay. I think there's a lot of question marks, but I will, we'll have those answered. We can't do that on this podcast. That only take time. Let's go on to some other trades that happened today. I think the second biggest one, if I had to say not counting. Oh, okay. I guess I'm not thinking about two days ago. Let's talk about the ones that happened today. First, Um, Chris Stapps Porzingis goes over to Washington for Davis Bertans and Spencer Dinwiddie. And I believe the Wizards got a second round pick in the deal as well. I on its surface, I have to like. What are the Mavericks doing? That doesn't make it's any really sense. Really, is yeah, yeah. I am not anywhere so far away from your take. This is a really weird position to be in. Honestly, my opinion might be that we should maybe start feeling less likable towards Luca. Luca might be losing a little bit of the media's good graces because I'm thinking Luca might have been doing something similar to what he was doing with uh, their recent coach switch up. Luca uh, very vocally said he did not like their previous coach. And now we got the switch now for uh, their new head coach. Um, I'm sorry, uh, blanking off the top of my head. Jason Kidd. With Jason Kidd as their new head coach. Uh, I kind of want to think that there was no reason for them to make this trade without being some kind of pushback from somebody. And I want to think that Luca might be getting into a little bit of a diva, diva complex lately. And he might have just maybe not liked KP and pushed KP out. So I think that might've been the only reason because there was no pressure to make a deal like this. I mean, however, my takes may have been on KP before I still don't, th- I think he was worth way more than what they got for him. I, I mean, obviously uh, it's really weird too, as well. Cause uh, I don't know if this was the move I would have made either as the Washington wizards, but the wizards technically did win in this situation, but oh, it's are you just- kidding? They got off one of the worst contracts in the league. They got a better yeah. player. They got a second round pick in the deal. I mean, I think it makes a ton of sense for them. It does. It's just a very weird situation because I thought the Wizards were in a rebuild, but this seems almost like a win now move though a little bit. 
going for a slightly older player who definitely is uh, somebody who you have to kind of root for now. Unfortunately, a lot of that stuff where we looked at like the impressive rim protecting that we saw from KP in the past two years ago and even last year, we're not seeing as much this year. Um, I think he was in his best defensive state outside of the rim protection this year. So it's really a big, weird question mark why they did it. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I think rebuilding can mean more than getting younger. I think it means attaining value and hopefully increasing your value of players and picks on your roster and then maintaining that value. So if you can get rid of a bad contract, a player that wasn't performing in Spencer Dinwiddie, for a player that has value and still has potential, I would say, the biggest question being injuries. But he can recoup that value if he can stay injury-free over the next season or whatever it might be. And then they may be able, are able to trade him for a higher value than they obviously acquired him for today. I think Spencer they Dinwiddie value. was at one point. Yeah, Spencer Dinwiddie was at one point a 20-point player. And he was, but I think you're more likely to get that type of player out of KP right now than you are Spencer. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Okay. Another big trade that happened this week. The Kings send Tyrese Halliburton. They send uh, they send Buddy Heald. And one more player that I can't remember off the top of my head right now. They get Demata Sabonis. They get Jeremy Lamb. And they get uh, Justin Holiday. I mean, what can we say that hasn't already been said? But what are the Kings doing? They're just continuing their trend of being a horrible franchise to be a fan of. That's what they're doing. The best thing they could be doing is going for a run in the play-in spot. And even then, they have to compete with the Lakers, the Clippers. I mean, the Pelicans got better in this uh, trade deadline, acquiring CJ McCollum. I, it truly is a mind-boggling move to me. Yeah. And also giving up a player who honestly was one of the most promising young players in the league right now. I mean, if you're looking at uh, Halliburton this year, Halliburton looked so good. Uh, He looked like, honestly, I mean, still, yes, you got to recognize that Sabonis was the best player in this trade. So the Kings did get the best player in this trade, but the best future ahead is easily, I think, Halliburton. If you look to the future, Halliburton looks to be what could be maybe a top 20 player in the league. I think Sabonis looks to be something like who could be a future all-star if he, is, if he keeps tre- trending up the way he is. Well, Sabonis was an all-star. He has an all-star under his belt. He's a great player, but like you said, more long-term potential if you're building a team, which what the Kings should be doing, not going for a playing spot. I think Halliburton easily, yeah. Halliburton will look better than uh, Sabonis in the future easily, but right now, I agree. So I anticipate the Kings will um, continue their uh, – 16-year playoff drought at this point? I think that's where we're at. Double-checking that right now. Um, yeah, 16 seasons since they've made the playoffs. How, Feels how good to not be the Timberwolves. <laughs> Feels good not to be that the Timberwolves as that stat anymore. How many games out are the Kings right now from that play-in tournament? From the play-in tournament, the 10 spot is held by the Pelicans right now, 22 and 32. The Kings are 21 and 36. So it looks like they are two and a half games out right now. So it's attainable, but it just doesn't seem, I mean, they're going to have to win two, you know, one-off games to even make the playoffs. And you got to beat teams right now. Those teams are the Timberwolves, Clippers, Lakers, Pelicans. I take all of those teams over the Kings right now. And, and both you and I probably are also going to agree that 
the Pelicans are looking better right now. I mean, CJ McCollum yes. is not the player that he used to be. He used to be probably a sub all-star. Um, I still think he's an incredible role player. So you're paying a little bit for him uh, more than I would definitely like to, uh, to pay, but the Pelicans are still looking really good on the offensive end. You have, hopefully if Zion comes back for the play in tournament, you're having the second most dominant interior presence in the NBA after Giannis. Uh, then you're having CJ McCollum, who's just a pretty great offensive talent, a good shooter facilitator a little bit as well. Um, and then you're having also a player who I'm feeling pretty good about with uh, their second go-to. Um, sorry, uh, their third their third player that I'm thinking about. Uh, he, he used to be on the Lakers. Sorry, can you say it one more time? Got to cut out. We'll cut this out. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm asking you. Uh, we can cut this, but um, the player for the uh, the um, Pelicans that they have now, um, that was originally their go-to second star after Zion. Ingram he was on the Lakers, and he was playing really well. This Ingram, there we go, Brandon. Ingram. Brandon Ingram, yeah. Yep. Sorry, and back. Brandon Ingram has also been looking incredible this year. I mean, Brandon Ingram was honestly one of the reasons why I was so high on the future of uh, the Pelicans over Zion especially is just because Brandon Ingram has been rising, especially now that he's out of the shadow of the previous teams he's been in. We don't need to talk about them. They're getting enough coverage as it is, but uh, Brandon Ingram has been looking really good. Uh, I think the three as a good offensive talent looks really good. And I would not be uh, surprised if they rose in the ranks that they're already at. A couple other trades we'll run through quickly here. Uh, I don't think we need to go too in depth on them. Uh, Montrezl Harrell went to the Hornets. Um, Washington got Ish Smith and Vernon Carey Jr. in return. Uh, Derek White went to the Celtics. Josh Richardson, Romeo Langford, and a 2022 first um, from the Celtics went over to the Spurs. Uh, Marvin Bagley, Serge Ibaka, Dante DiVincenzo, all involved in a four-team trade today. This is an interesting four-person trade for even, I know they're not usually like very, very big names to be talked about, but this might even be a, a win for all four teams, which is very usually unlikely for the NBA. But I mean, if we're talking about um, first off with the Kings acquiring uh, Bagley, Bagley has been somebody who I don't think has been gotten a good rap. Uh, I don't think he's got a lot of opportunities to really show the man he is. I mean, in the, the Pistons season, receiving Bagley also. Exactly. Oh, sorry. The Pistons, but the Pistons, I think have also just been making a lot of good additions. The Pistons have a really good future looking ahead. Bagley is just a great addition for not a whole lot of risk. It's a, it's one of those uh, very high reward, low risk situations. I think that was a good pickup. Uh, I think as the bucks, we really needed to get rid of uh, Dante DiVincenzo. Yes. Last year he was looking amazing, but if any bucks fan will tell you who's been watching this past year, he hasn't been the same since his injury. Uh, he hasn't been looking and shooting as well as he used to be. I mean, what we had with him was a really great perimeter uh, defend defensive player and then a really good three. So three, essentially a really good three and D player. Um, but that really hasn't been what we've been getting this year. So we kind of wanted to switch him up. I had been maybe mentioning that to Seamus and some other friends as well, that Dante was somebody I wouldn't mind us uh, maybe trading in this trade deadline. It looks like we did. I don't know if Ibaka is really the ideal candidate that I would have wanted. Uh, he's not exactly been playing incredible. I think his like points per game this year has been an average of like six or something, which isn't incredible. 
His uh, defense is still a plus, but it's not like elite. He's a good he's a good role player, and he'd he'd be a backup, but he's not like a good starting player like Dante uh, Divincenzo. At least was a starter. I feel like on a few starting uh, lineups that the Bucks had, I don't think Ibaka is going to be that. Feels like more of a win now move while the Bucks have this championship window. Um, I don't have much other takes on this trade. I think Bagley, you know, it's worth the shot from the Pistons to see if he still got it, but I'm not optimistic. They kind of have an assortment of talent over in Detroit, and I'm not sure if it's cohesive or not, but I wish them all the best. Any other trades you want to talk about here? I feel like that's the majority of the notable ones. I think that's, like you said, all the ones worth noting for people who uh, care to watch our podcast. I don't think we want to get into the weeds with too many a little more because I'm also not as familiar with some of these other players that are being mentioned. They're good role players, but nobody that really changes the needle for any of these teams. They'll add like a few wins, but they're not going to change in standings. I don't think enough. Um, but I did want to mention a little bit off of the Bucks. a little bit was a take that I had that you might be interested in hearing. So Bird, give me your take. Let's see if it flies or we fight. Ding, ding. <laughs> so I think that Brooke Lopez is no longer a really relevant member to a Bucks winning championship team. And the best lineup that the Bucks have does not include Brooke Lopez. And this okay. is, of course, before an injury. I'm recognizing that Brooke Lopez is in an injury right now, but coming back from a back injury is also really risky. Uh, I'm a fan of two teams, to be fully transparent. I'm a big Bucks fan and a Nuggets fan, and both those teams are struggling with two back injuries right now. So what are the odds on that? But um, Brooke Lopez, I think, uh, as you'll see in the playoffs last year, uh, was really successful, at least on a few games. And he, de- he definitely won us one of the games in our Atlanta Hawks series. But he was also somebody that got was exposed very frequently on the defensive end. When you look at other players like uh, the Jazz with... Uh, Rudy Gobert. When you look at the Jazz with Rudy Gobert, uh, a lot of players who are really good, big, dominant presence... Uh, they're often easily easy to expose when you bring them out to uh, bring them out to the perimeter, just because the way the NBA is played now is very much a positionless type of basketball. And there's a lot of switching going on all the time when you watch and a lot of uh, kicking out and driving, kicking out and driving. Therefore players who aren't quick footed when they're still big, like Giannis, who's pretty quick footed for being a big man, excuse me, or other players as well, like Embiid and Jokic who for their size are still able to at least have the mental capacity to kind of know and where to go and how to switch and stuff. If they are a little bit slower, cause I will admit Jokic's not as, the, as quick footed either as Giannis. However, they have that mental no, capacity, no, to he's not. <laughs> yeah. but they know how to read defensive schemes. So sure. the thing is players who are very focused on that interior presence for their defense can easily be exposed. Brooke Lopez is a horrible, uh, defense on the perimeter he's not the good defensive three point or he's not the three-point shooter he was in the net on the nets i'm recognized that he was and he still is i believe the lead scorer on the nets he was never a three-point shooter on the nets that much honestly i feel like he developed that with the bucks he did develop that and his first two years with the bucks i'd say he was a key crucial piece i think he's been going down since then and i think bobby portis has now taken over as a much better piece to take him over in the lineup i personally think our best lineup includes Giannis at the five at the center position or even bobby portis at that five center position it was not often gone to i think but 
either of those positions, I think, were, are a better fit. And now that we have, it hates me to say it because as a Wisconsin fan, he is the bane of our existence. But Grayson Allen's been filling in really great uh, despite that ugly play earlier in this season. Uh, he's a great addition for perimeter shooting. And then also having our other two bi- uh, big all-stars, which is Chris Middleton and uh, Drew Holiday. That's a really good starting five, I think. And I don't think that starting five includes Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez is a great addition. And I think our team is still, if, if he comes back at the Brooke Lopez previously, he's a good addition to our team and makes our team better, but he's not going to be on that starting five. And he's not what makes the team the best starting five that we have. That flies with me. I don't think at this day and age, being as big as he is, you know, he could just be sustainable being a top flight defensive center. And he is a good piece to have, you know, if you get those teams that have a more traditional center pose, you know, back to the basket guy, you can put Brooke, Brooke out there and, you know, he can defend that. But obviously, as you mentioned, we're looking for people who can guard multiple positions. We're looking for people who can guard on the perimeter and he's not going to give you that. So I hear that. I think Portis and Giannis is probably a better move. And with all those other wing guys that you have, you know, you put together a better all around lineup without him in your starting five. It's a lot more versatile. Also, I'm pretty sure our three point percentage is a much better as well in our starting five when we have Bobby Portis in that. Uh, so I think it's just overall has proven statistically that it's a better starting five lineup, but also like, I mean, if we're looking over at Rudy Gobert on the jazz, not to hate on the jazz, even more than they already are like Rudy Gobert on the jazz. Let's do it. Let's, let's have them catch some strays in this episode. There's a reason why Rudy Gobert, who's still one of the best rim protectors ever, I'm not saying he's the best, maybe, but he is one of the best rim protectors of all time, yet people give him zero respect. And why is that? It's because every year in the playoffs, who gets exposed? Unfortunately, it's also a little bit to do with what's around him as a team, but also because every time he gets wait, pulled wait, wait. out to that For, perimeter. Are we, are we hating on Rudy Gobert or not? I can't tell. You said he's one of the best rim protectors of all time, but then you said it's his teammate's fault, but maybe it's also his. I don't understand. <laughs> so it's not all on him. But when you're considered one of the best like defensive players and you get defensive player of the year every year, you need to back it up a little bit more than you do. And when you get exposed in the playoffs so often, he's the best regular season rim protector maybe in the league right now or definitely in the league right now. But <laughs> that doesn't mean you're the best when it comes to the playoffs. So it's just such a big dichotomy. It's almost like uh, when it was a few years ago, I would make the claim that uh, Giannis or Harden were the best regular season players in the league, but they were not the best players in the league because every time when it came to the playoffs, who showed up was not always those two. Okay. Okay. I can hear that. Can I give you my take? Go for it. Based on today, the real battle in the NBA is not on the court. It is on Twitter and it is for the best trash talker in the NBA. And that is Patrick Beverly. Please tell me what oh. you think. Joel Embiid is the other contender, I would say. But did you see Patrick Beverly's tweet from today? I have not. I don't. I'm not. I'm not on Twitter. So please enlighten me. Oh man, this one reverberated past Twitter. I don't think. I don't think you needed to be on Twitter to feel the vibrations, to feel the seismic shift that he put on one Russell Westbrook. Uh, let me read it for you here. Pat Bev said, 
I remember when somebody said, all I do is run around and I trick y'all. Well, my boy is the real magician this year. Aimed at Russell Westbrook. When Russell Westbrook said he just runs around, he doesn't play defense, Pat Bev was waiting in the wings. He sat on it. He had it saved in his Twitter drafts. And he said, I'm going to hit Russ when he is at his absolute lowest moment. And he capitalized today. In a day where James Harden was traded, on the front page of the NBA subreddit, that tweet is in the, like, the top three posts. So I'll come to you for all my Timberwolves takes, but I do have to say it is a little weird coming from him because yes, Patrick Beverly on the Clippers was like one of the most uh, recognizable names on the defensive end, but isn't your most valuable defensive player right now on the Timberwolves, not Patrick Beverly, your addition, who you assumed you had picked for defense. Oh, it's I actually agree. The man who everybody hated on and said was garbage on defense, including me with D'Lo. Listen, I agree with that. And that's, that's a conversation for another day. I'm just talking about the straight savagery of it, that he said, I am a better player in the eyes of most NBA fans, you know, observers, and I am going to hit him when it hurts him most. And I I just got to say, it's something that I respect. And Pat Bev is one of those guys when he's on your team, you love him. And this is why I love him. He, he's a dog. I know you say you don't like dogs, but Patrick Beverly is not a what dog. I said. Not what I said. I said you can't win with dogs, but if they're your main players. But as a veteran leader off the bench, that is exactly what you need. All right. Jimmy Butler should come off the bench for somebody. I would. I think that's a good role for him. <laughs> I think that's a good role for him. I don't think people are going to accept you on that take. I'm not going to. I'm going to have to fight you on that one. But I do want to give a little bit of a little addition to your trash talk there was also another really interesting uh, little bit of trash talk from one of the historically funniest and best trash talkers uh charles barkley did you by chance watch the draft for the nba all-star game i saw that right before we recorded here i thought that was one of the most iconic things i've ever seen when he straight up said (laughs) lebron asked is james harden healthy and Chuck goes, oh, he got traded. Yeah, he's healthy. <laughs> he's going to put some icy out on it. Incredible so some context stuff. to this, it was hilarious because uh, they had drafted everybody on their teams. And uh, KD and LeBron were then drafting their, uh, their substitutions. So when we're going at their substitutions, they had picked everybody in the entire league except for the uh, two people we've actually been talking about so far today, James Harden and... Uh, um, Wow. This is sad because I just was talking about him. No, it was the Jazz uh, Jazz Center. Oh, Rudy Gobert. Yeah. With, uh, some, with Rudy Gobert. It was between Rudy Gobert and James Harden. And <laughs> they're just uh, – Kevin Durant's just like, I got to get some size. Uh, looks like I got to get somebody to fight Giannis. And uh, LeBron just can't contain himself and is just holding up a clipboard above his face so that way they can't tell how hard he's laughing. Uh, cause Katie's just not wanting to pick his man that he just ditched him. Uh, we all, I mean, cause we all were just shocked at today and Katie, I think was just done with James Harden, but you can always count on, uh, though he may, Charles Barkley may have some hateful takes on today's era. And sometimes I don't always agree with everything he says, but he has some hilarious liners. And that one was one of the best, uh, from that night. It was a real treat. I agree. Bird, should we transition into some rankings? 
uh, why not? This is actually pretty interesting too with all this that's spicing up right now. So Bert, you proposed this to me. You wanted to talk about the top five rebuilding teams. Now, the biggest thing that I had to ask myself when I was trying to come up with a list of my own is what is the definition of a rebuilding team? Why don't you start with that? How did you define it? All right. So I know it's a little bit loose because a lot, a few of these teams that were on my list, I thought were rebuilding, but after some of these moves in the trade deadline <laughs> do not seem like they're rebuilding and are just trying to go for it. I try to define teams as rebuilding as teams that were outside of the playoff picture. If we did not have the play in tournament, like we've had for the past, uh, it's been two years now, or has it just been a year? For the past um, two years now. Yeah. Yeah, it's new. I'm liking it too, by the way. But I am too. Uh, if we had gone back to the old setup, teams that would have been out of the playoffs, I'm considering as teams that are trying to rebuild to make it into the playoffs. Okay. Okay. I took a little bit of a different approach. So I'm going to have to run two teams by you to make sure that they are valid. Um, How about, and I have some fine. criteria. Let's just, let, let's just go through our top fives. And there, a few of them might change for both of us, but I think it'll just be interesting if we just go through it blind. Okay. Well, before we, we jump in here, I want to give my criteria. So mine are framed as well here. All right. I had four, four things that I looked for. One, a young core, a young core roster. So I mostly worked off of a list of teams that have an average age of 26 or younger. Two, they have an identifiable star that is a young up and coming star. Uh Oh, Oh, I'm starting to think where this might be going. And this seems almost unfair. Three, they have room to grow. So realistically, based on their picks that are available that they have and their available, their, their roster, it serves to reason that they would be increasing in their talent and their production in the coming years. I know somebody, or I know one of the teams you're going to pick already, and I hate you because this would definitely be one of my teams if I had changed the way I view things as well. But for, I almost, sorry, oh, go for it, go for it. Four on an upward trajectory. So, a room to grow, I identified as a roster having room to grow. They're going to be able to bring in new players. They're not like they haven't traded the farm. And then on an upward trajectory, meaning they are actually showing promise right now on the court. Okay. So, I, I want to ask you a question. Okay. Do the Cavs count? That's it. That was the team I thought you were going to have. So they I'm prepared like either all, way. I'm prepared either way. They the Cavs. Like all of your trajectory. And honestly, that's, that's not a horrible trajectory for a rebuilding team. I just think that they've already successfully completed their rebuild. That's, that's just a team who's there. Like there's, they could still get better and they're probably going to get better. But when you have the success that you have, in my opinion, that they have right now, you, you've successfully completed your rebuild. But I will give it to you for your well-thought-out uh, criteria of your four rules. They have easily achieved all of them. Jared Allen, now an all-star, uh, incredible player. I love the name Sexland, by the way. That's a great, <laughs> great uh, go-to name for your, t- for your two go-to stars, even though I guess, uh, unfortunately, Sexton is out for a while. I don't know when he's planning on coming back but he's also a great star uh garland's just looking amazing this year uh kevin loves coming back and finally playing like a true uh 
like truly the Kevin Love that we know and love. I mean, it was cringy to watch in the previous years where he he was obviously and not looking happy where he was doing some kind of dirty and unsportsmanlike stuff on the court. I mean, not towards other players, but you know what I mean? When you're, when you're throwing poor passes to your teammates and just not even showing like you're giving an effort, it doesn't look good. Uh, but now he's looking really good. Uh, he's just filling in that really good role player uh, spot. People are joking that he might be the sixth man of the year. He's not going to get sixth man of the year, but he's looking like a really good sixth man. That's for sure. One more thing I'll say about my criteria here, because I have two other teams, two or three other teams, as I look at it right now, that are in the playoff picture as um, as it stands right now. I tried to select teams that had not made the playoffs in previous years. Let's let's just go for our, our, our number fives. Let's go for our number fives. I, I think that was the one that I kind of expected coming with your rules. I want to just hear them as we go kind of now. Okay. 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 Just one more framing with that. Uh, Bert, why don't you start us off with that number five? Number five. Or your number five. Not our this, number five. We, this we don't may agree. be a little bit. I'm already saying we don't agree. <laughs> <laughs> What's your already at five? the fight stage. <laughs> already at the fight stage. Uh, I'm going with a controversial pick a little bit. I'm going with OKC. I think OKC has some interesting players. Uh, they have so many gambles. So essentially their team is just like, imagine just gambling on all your picks. They're all high risk, high reward type players. Uh, when we're looking at that one player, oh, I feel bad because I don't remember his name, but he doesn't Josh really Kitty. deserve. Josh Kitty's also great, but I'm looking at the European uh, player, or maybe oh, Poku. European. Poku is an incredibly interesting looking player that shows signs of being honestly incredible, but then can also look garbage the next night. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how he actually pans out. Poku's one of those big gambles, like a lot of foreign players often tend to be. Uh, but I just think that team is just full of a lot of interesting players that I want to see more of. And they're not my, they're not higher than my number five ever, but I think I respect the gamble that they've made with so many picks. They have just so many first round picks that it's just like, you got to hit something in the lottery at this point. Right. I have a trivia question for you. Okay. What's that? The next six draft years, the next six drafts, how many first round picks do the Thunder own right now? First round picks. I want to say it's six. The next six years. Not like this year. Yeah, but, oh, in terms of other teams, six round picks, I, I wanted to say. But um, if, so that would be 12 then. But are we are we ignoring their own? So like amount of picks in total or amount of picks? Total. On- their own and other teams, just first round picks they own from now until 2027, the next six drafts. 16. It's a good guess. You're low. What is it? Low? 24. A little bit high there. I'll give it to you here. It is... Drum roll. Sorry, I'm counting it to make sure I had it right. 1, 2, 3, <laughs> 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 picks, Bert. 19? Oh, I was really close on that uh, that first one. Yeah. 19 first round picks in the first in the next six years is unbelievable. I will be talking about the Thunder in my rankings in the future. We'll go on to my number five here. All right. Uh, my number five is 
I had an asterisk next to this one. It was tough. I got to be honest. It was really tough. I put the New Orleans Pelicans. That low. Pelicans are that low. Well, maybe we traded our Thunder and and Pelicans takes. Pelicans, it has an asterisk because it is the ultimate asterisk. What the hell are they doing with Zion? Is he going to play? See, I just disagree with that take for the sole purpose alone. It is despite however many injury prone uh, things that are going on with Zion, whatever his situation may be, I guarantee you that if the Pelicans don't want to pay him, there's somebody out there who does. So you can get something pretty significant for him from some team. Cause I guarantee you some team out there will want to pay him the Supermax if it's not the Pelicans. And I think that guarantees you that even if this, he doesn't work out, which I think hopefully he will just as a hopeful NBA fan that wants to see him, he will work out. But if not, I think you can get a haul for him from somebody. I mean, look at the Kings. They're already doing stupid stuff right now. Who are the, who, who's, who would be surprised if the Kings pull off a stupid move and take him as well? I am just skeptical of Zion as, as a whole. And I'm not sure they have the assets to build around the Ingram Pelican or Ingram Pelican, Ingram Williamson's core right now. Zion was a verge top 10, like 10 to top 15 for sure player when he was playing that one uh, stretch where he got to play. He was that good. He lived up a decent amount to that hype. I don't know if we really got to see enough to say he completely lived up to the hype, but he was definitely a, a 15, a top 15 player when he played, he was that I'll, good. I'll give you top 25, but there are question top marks. Top 25. Okay. I have question marks, but it sounds like we'll talk about the Pelicans a little bit more in the future here. Bird, why don't you give me your number four? My number four uh, just also got really interesting with my question mark next to it. That's the Washington Wizards. Porzingis just got added to this team. So I almost don't know if it's a rebuild team anymore because I was just super high on uh, the Wizards just in in terms of I think their future looks good. I don't think that they're going to be great next year, but we all were watching uh, the beginning of the year. How Remember how all of us were shocked when the leader of the East was the Wizards and the Wizards were just having an incredible start to the season? Their first half of the season was just like, oh my gosh, are the Wizards really good right now? None of us fully believed in the Wizards, obviously. None of us were saying the Wizards were true contenders or deserved to be the top spot, but I think they had a long enough stretch to show that they have promise. They're all a young enough core that I think we can look to see that the Wizards have a future ahead of them that looks pretty bright. And I think, especially with the added of Porzingis, who can be a pretty good, hopefully not toxic person in the locker room uh, that can all maybe help to develop and create a better defensive mindset. Uh, and then also you have a man who I don't think is really a great leader with uh I'm trying Bradley to think Beal. of the with Bradley Beal, Bradley Beal being a great uh, number two on that team. So it'll really be between having two number twos. If you have one of your younger guys kind of step up to maybe be a number one and maybe have a really incredible three core. If not, you have an interesting twin towers that can bring you up to a really successful spot where you can be a pretty consistent, maybe number four in the league in the, in the not too distant future. I think the wizards are looking pretty good. I disagree. I just disagree. I made a list Let's of hear 10. It. Let's hear this fight. I made a list of 10 just in case you didn't allow some of my current playoff contenders that are in there. And they didn't even make my list of 10. They didn't even make your top 10. Yep. They didn't even even after the Porzingis trade? 
Nope. I think so Beal. What, 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 what did you not watch the beginning of the NBA season? What makes you just disregard? Well, all I'll of tell you one thing. I wasn't watching Wizards basketball. That's for damn sure. Um, I mean, no one truly is watching Wizards basketball. That's what I'm saying. But I just don't see what they're building towards. I want a young team. They're not that. They really are not. They have a couple of young pieces, but they're not a young team. They have value in those players, but they've time and time again balked on the opportunity to trade those pieces in for a more focused young core. And I don't see where the plan is right now. It seems like they're going to fight in the same way that the Kings are doing. They're basically Kings East for me. I think that's what I that's what I, I feel. And I, I mean, they have trust a history me, the of Kings didn't the make my list teams. either. Yeah. So I have no interest in being a Wizards fan or uh, or following them right now. Let me hop on to my number four here. Um, my number four is the Charlotte Hornets. Oh, come on. <laughs> what do you want from me? I, I can agree that they are an incredible team. I My only take would be that I don't think that they've, they're rebuilding anymore. I think they have success. I think they've completed their rebuild that are just getting better. I think the addition that they had in the trade deadlines that we kind of just brushed past a little bit was a good little addition that makes their team better. It's nothing worthy of note, like we said, but it's a better team then. And then you have one of the most promising young stars. I think after everybody was all like, oh, Zion just got injured. Everybody's looking at LaMelo and just like LaMelo's now our guy that we're just looking at too from that draft class. That's just the young dude. That's just a dude for that team. He's great. Um, And Honestly, it was really wholesome seeing the little short video of him uh, realizing that he was making the all-star game. Uh, I kind of enjoyed seeing that. But um, I think they're looking incredible. I believe, didn't they also add uh, another pick to to their team? I don't know if it's been over just the course of this year. It wasn't during the trade deadline. Uh, But the guy who used to be playing for the Celtics and uh, was really good for Utah at one point, he is a worthy star, but he's had a lot of injury problems in the past. I'm thinking of... All right. Sorry. Also pause. I know. I feel like I've been doing this a lot. So my apologies, but um, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, he, he's, he's the white dude. Oh, Gordon Hayward. There we go. Gordon Hayward's also a great asset to that team that, that they're looking pretty good on. I just think they have a pretty good core that looks like to be getting better. Gordon Hayward's obviously older than uh, Mellow Ball, but I think he's a good asset for like maybe a little bit more veteran status to help them get better. It's always good to have a good veteran star on your young teams. I mean, we were looking at your Cavs earlier. Cavs with Kevin Love, I think, now is no longer a toxic asset to your uh, um, your locker room. And it's now probably a positive. I'm hoping that Gordon Hayward's also that same thing for your, uh, for your Charlotte Hornets. I think it's important for me to say this. I'm trying to think of these teams as in teams that have not had previous success and their chances to win the championship. And... A team like the Wizards, to me, don't seem anywhere near a championship, whereas I can identify pieces of the Hornets, while you would not say they're a championship contender right now, that are building towards that ultimate goal. And that might just be a philosophy thing. It's, I, you shouldn't build to make the playoffs. You should build to win a championship. And that's what I'm evaluating these teams on here. So right now, the Hornets, I believe, are in the ninth seed in the East. And wouldn't that mean they are playing then the seventh in the Celtics, correct, right now? So if they're the ninth seed right now, that means they play the 10th seed in the play-in tournament. Uh, they and play the 10th seed. The, so the play-in tournament 
the nine and 10 play each other winner of that has to beat the loser of the seven, eight game, which the seven, eight winner locks in their playoff spot as the seven seed. And then the loser of that and the winner of the nine, 10 play for the eight seed. Thanks. Uh, do you think though, they could beat the Hawks though? Uh, Cause I mean, I know the Hawks aren't exactly performing up to what we expected of them this year. I still think that's not a easy out. And I would personally take the Hawks in that matchup. I agree, which is why I have them as a rebuilding team. They do fall into, I guess, my criteria as well right now. I guess when I was making my list, they were they were not in it, and now they have fallen into it as well. So I got to respect that. You know, that's a sneaky pick that I really respect. So good on you with your Hornets pick. I fly with that with that pick. Thank you. I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep throwing in the sneaky picks. Let's hop over to your number three. My number three. Uh, and this feels like a little pretty good with some uh, Midwest representation again. Uh, we're going to have some Detroit Pistons. So I'm feeling like all these young assets they got going on, as well as what we added on with the trade. Uh, if you mind reminding me, I thought I heard there was a pretty decent player that they picked up as well this year. Uh, this uh, Marvin Bagley. Deadline. Marvin Bagley, a great asset, like we were just mentioning, somebody who's got a very high, uh, like high reward, low risk. But then also you have, really promising young players. I mean, we're all talking about Cade. Cade Cunningham's looking really great this year. I think he's looking like a true leader, which is one of the best things. So I know you being a big Timberwolves fan, you also have a young leader in you. I think you can respect and see uh, a little bit of kinship between Ant and Cade, where they're both very well uh, adjusted and good leaders for their young age. And I think that's really promising. Pistons are looking good. I think the Pistons have a good future. And I think in two two years or something we can see them or even even maybe sooner than that depending on how well this next year goes uh something in a low playoff seed and maybe something somewhat convincingly there someone you didn't mention who's playing really well is Sadiq Bay. I was the second probably star for that Pistons team maybe that's out of Jeremy Grant who they'll probably end up trading for more pieces which I think they should the Pistons have a nice accumulation of talent I agree they made my honorable mentions they didn't make my list but I am interested and hopeful for the Pistons I think they've been a mediocre team for a long time. I'd like to see them return to some of their, their old glory. Yeah, that's for sure. I, I mean, it's unfortunate too, because I feel like one of the more recent things that was on people's mind when it came to the Pistons wasn't that recent, I guess, but Isaiah Stewart with that whole incident with LeBron James, I believe Isaiah Stewart's still on the Pistons right now. And he was doing pretty good as being a defensive player and a little bit of a big man. But um, I think they deserve to be more noticed than that whole incident, which was entertaining at the very least. He's got talent. There's no question. Let's hop over to my number three here. You're going to hate me. Oh, no. It's the Timberwolves. Timberwolves? You think you're rebuilding? I think we're on an opportunity. How old old is your... Okay, so obviously Ant is is who you think is, I assume, your now star. Ant is your guy that's cornerstone of your franchise now. Your other two, your, your number two and your number three, how old are they now? Uh, Cat and D'Lo, they're like 26, yes. I think. Let's see here. So, so they're both in their peaks, essentially, right now? What, Cat Graham, that is not who I was Googling. Come on now. Come on now. Google, you know. <laughs> I'm in Minnesota Googling this. You know what I mean. Okay, Cat is 26. Let me just look up D'Lo real quick. D'Lo is 25. So let me let me make my point. Um, the Timberwolves, despite that, have the fifth youngest team in the NBA, average age as of the start of the season of 24.9. 
Plus, there I star. I think you would take Anthony Edwards over Zion right now if you're starting a franchise. Oh, for sure. And he's way more. I mean, Zion or Zion is nowhere near as entertaining as Ant is right now. That's for sure. And I mean, they, go ahead. The, the interviews, the post-game interviews that I see from Ant are some of the best content you're going to get out of the NBA in the Midwest right now. Truly, some of the best content you're going to get in the NBA. I mean, yeah, you can't beat I, Anthony Edwards. I love Giannis. Giannis is nowhere. Near, I mean, he's got some good dad jokes, which you know me. I love that. There, he is nowhere near as entertaining as a showman as Ant is. That doesn't mean he's – I'm not comparing them in terms of players. We all know that Giannis is possibly the best player in the league right now. But in terms of a show you're watching in post-game interviews, I'm liking Ant. Going off my criteria, I think the Timberwolves meet every every core point. They have a young core, I would say. I think you can still define Cat Dulo and Ant as a young core. They have people who are growing on that team. They have Jared Vanderbilt. They have Jade McDaniels, two young, really good defenders um, who are playing well. And I've really rounded out the team. They're a huge reason why they're success this year. And we were just talking it, about your veteran status too with Patrick uh, Patrick Beverly. And they found the right people to fit in in those gaps. And I think that's huge. Um, you know, they're not a perfect team. I, 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 if anyone would know, but I think if we're looking at potential championship contenders or not this year, but there's, there's something there that in two years could be. And what's, what's your ceiling yeah. this year? Um, we could at best get up to the six seed and miss the play-in tournament, I think, which would be an amazing victory for the Timberwolves. So you don't think you'd make it out of the play-in tournament? Oh, I mean, I think we can make it out of the play-in. I think we sh- if we don't make the playoffs, it's a disappointment. But I think, like, best-case scenario, we don't even have to worry about it, which would be – I don't think anyone would have expected that going into the season. All right. I, I can respect that, and I am behind your take, that's for sure. The only reason I wouldn't have them in my list as well was just that I think they were very much more complete than you would say. But I will take your word for it as the true Timberwolves fan amongst the two of us. They very much fit into that Hornets vibe. Obviously, Lamelo and Ant are going to be linked for pretty much as long as they're in, in the NBA. And, uh, you know, good for them. I'm going to hop in here and do my number two because it's one we've already mentioned. Okay. And that is the Oklahoma City Thunder. For the reasons we mentioned before, the picks, Shea Gilders, Alexander, and Josh Giddy, I think tandem-wise are as exciting a tandem as you might find young players in the NBA uh, duo. I mean, I think your calves are maybe looking a little better. Um, you know, you, you might find some other very good young tandems, but Josh Giddy and Shea Gil- Gilders Alexander got something there. And so you think I trust- that the OKC is more promising than your Timberwolves. That's this is incredible because I know I ranked them at my number five, but that was because of the pure, pure gamble. You already assume that the gamble has paid off. This is what you're. This is what it sounds like you're saying. Not even that it's paid off, but they don't need it to pay off to have value in the assets they have in the future. Like, and what I mean by that is they have assets that are identifiable now that they can use to turn into a star player. They are always going to be in the conversation when a star player is looking for a trade because they literally have the most to offer out of anybody in the league. And it comes down to that value piece. They've attained value almost on like on a level that no one else in the league has shown the capability to they they identified they were in a place where they were rebuilding they took on every bad contract they can they somehow every time they did that traded that contract to be that have them that person be seen as a value player for the teams that they're that were trading them 
I think they have every opportunity to do that with future players. You know, they still have time before they really need to pay some of their guys. Mm -hmm. The way they've identified a route and identified value in their salary cap in the players that they can take on is unparalleled. And I think they're going to be a championship contender and a very good team uh, sooner rather than later. I guess I don't value them as highly as you do, but I can respect your logic there. I just, I think you're overvaluing them a little bit too much. It's so much of a gamble that I, even if picks, picks are all their, their assets, but they're still always a little bit of a gamble to a pick. So you always let to be, they are valuable. And like I was arguing too, with the hardened trade, it is something that you don't want to give away lightly, but also at the same time, not every team wants to take picks because it's not always a win now situation. So those picks will become a star player and that's not going to be a gamble. And that's going to be when they win now. And it's going to, it's going to come. We'll see. What's your number two. My number two is the new Orleans Pelicans. Um, I really hope it's true as well, because the more buzz I hear about that, if this team doesn't have success, and I think that if Zion doesn't pan out, I don't know how much longer this team is for, for new Orleans. So for their sake, I hope they are this number two, which I do think that they are. Uh, we were talking earlier uh, in this podcast already about somewhat of my takes on this. So you can kind of reference that if you'd like, but I was going off of CJ McCollum being a great asset to that team. Uh, you have, of course, my faith that I think we're going to see uh, um, Z- Zion Williamson come back. And if not, I think you can get a lot for him. I think he's a great asset to some team. There'll always be somebody out there that on the market that wants Zion Williamson, despite the injuries that we've seen. Uh, and then also, you, you have also a great other player, uh, other players around him as well. I think that other young players who haven't been able to shine, like I said before, have been looking a lot better as well uh, in the new setting that they're in. So, Okay. Okay. Anyway, we've talked about them a little bit. I, it, it all, it's just such a big question mark. And so if it pays off, I, I get totally, they would absolutely skyrocket up my rankings. I think you and I can both agree that of all the ones that I think we maybe want to succeed, this might be one of the ones that we both want to happen the most. I agree with that. Let's do my number one here, which has already kind of been spoiled. It is the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, you, have you, didn't even have, you don't even have my number one on your list. Oh, hey, this is might crazy. Might've made my short list. We can, or my honorable mentions. We can see Cavaliers okay. are my number one. Um, Garland, Allen and Mobley. Already a trio that's frightening, only going to get better in the future. Um, I mean, they just popped out of nowhere really this year. And they got Sexton coming back. They are going to be a problem for a long time if they keep that core together. And I don't have a ton else to say about it, but I mean, it speaks for itself. What they're doing on the court right now, I totally understand if there's an issue of seeing them as a rebuilding team. But I think that if we're getting on that elevator right now, it's only going up. And that's how I see them. And I, uh, I'm excited to watch a LeBron-less Cavs. I want to see the Cavs like actually build something, you know, not that they didn't with late drafts of LeBron, but I, I'm excited to see a post-LeBron Cavs uh, show something, show some fight. I don't have much more to add to that besides the fact that I stand by all those statements 100% and more Midwest love. I mean, it's good to see a franchise who's been so down for so long apart from of course the years where they had LeBron like that was their one glowing period where everybody then just assumed they were going to return into the dirt and now we have a franchise that actually looks amazing so maybe we have a little smarter moves going on in the front office so that's exciting to see all right you're number one that I don't have on my list 
My number one is the Indiana Pacers. I think I kind of mentioned this already with how much I love Halliburton. I think that the Indiana Pacers look to be one of the best uh, young cores. And I think what they're building right now, the, the thing is with Indiana, they're always somewhat smart that what goes into their front office. They've never really been garbage. Indiana's always been pretty consistently good. We haven't seen them at amazing. I'm hoping that Halliburton can bring them to that. Some of these teams that we've mentioned so far, I think, can do a better job of bringing a possible championship. But I think of all these teams, this is the team that I know will be good the fastest, personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Halliburton is on the level of uh, Ant uh, and Anthony Edwards in terms of a player who's young and has incredible promise. I think they're on par with each other as two players who I can see as being strong, dominant faces of the league in the future uh, and, and definitely future all-stars. Um and then also, you still have Miles Turner on that team. He's got an injury that he's kind of hopefully coming back from, adding good defense to that team. Uh, you also picked up some other great players around as well. Uh, their coaching, too, I think has been improving. I think uh, Malcolm Brogdon, who, as a Bucks fan, has always been a player, too, that I've always respected and loved. Malcolm Brogdon's a great player. I mean, he's been having some injuries. So as a Bucks fan, I'm happy. He's. Uh, I mean, I think we did a good job moving off of him. But also, I think he's having some good success in Indiana and can do a really good job as maybe a number three. I think that's a good role for him. He can definitely be like a Drew Holiday type player who can do a really good uh, Swiss Army Knife type uh, job on the court. I agree with almost everything you said. They were my sixth. If I wasn't allowed the Cavs, they would have made my list. I'm excited to see where they go. I don't want to give them credit for their pick yet, but I'm really excited about it because they should have a good pick this year. Um and if they do hit on that that pick, I think they can they they will be a contender for a long time, which is exactly what they need. It's the same thing I said before. You don't build to make the playoffs for however long did we see those Pacers teams that would be a first, one and done in the playoffs. Now I think this core is starting to build into something that can be a sustainable team. And uh, I wouldn't mind another another Pacers team going deep in the playoffs in the future. Well, speaking of sustainable teams, I hope that we got one going on here. Um... I think that's a successful, hopefully first episode in the books. And I hope that uh, the audience, maybe the two people that we have listened to us for this first one that, that we got, I hope they enjoy it. Uh, I think, I think we'll see how it goes. Um, what do you think, Seamus? I think this was a good episode. I'm excited for more. And uh, the good news is we're following the NBA. There's always going to be stuff to talk about. There's only more interesting stuff coming in the NBA right now. I mean, we haven't even reached the most interesting parts of the league. We got some good stuff in store for you guys, too, that we're planning. I think you guys will enjoy it. So I hope you uh, feel free to tune in for the second one. All right. Well, until then, signing off. It's been a pleasure. And uh, we'll see you all next time. See ya. Peace.